0: share that order hardcore 2.0 episode number four steve and the mobster joining me how's it going buddy
1: good we're talking today people about bulking on euro pharmacy products what bulking is what bulking is about diet training everything you need to know so let's first talk about bulking fall bulking so this is all about
0: fall bulking so mobster i'm gonna bring Mobster in here so why do you think That it's so popular to kind of bulk up in the fall, winter, and then cut up in the spring, summer. But let's focus on bulking in this one specifically. Why do people do that? Do you think that that's something that they just follow pros, or is this something that naturally
1: occurs? It's it's a combination of factors, Steve. If you talked about following pros, and I'm sure there is some of our listeners doing exactly that, they have to remember, of course, that the majority of competitions are in the summertime. The other aspect, which I've, I've mentioned on the forums before, is nature, and it's quite simple. Uh, if you are, if, if in the winter time, your body naturally, to protect you, to keep you alive, wants you to have a layer of fat. That's a, that's the question of insulation, and obviously having stored energy to keep you going in the cold and winter months when you will actually use more calories just doing normal day to day activities. So what I've argued on the forums is you work with nature, work with nature, meaning it's a lot easier to cut in the summertime and a lot easier to bulk in the wintertime, and you're working with your body and you're working with nature rather than against it. Now, guys, that doesn't mean the you can't walk around lean in the winter time. You've got central heating, you've got heated houses, you've got padded winter clothing you can wear and so on and so forth, but it's that little bit harder. It's a little bit working against what your body wants to do. So, yeah, I would say it's a combination of those two things, Steve. Uh, and I think something else which probably applies when you talk about the first aspect vis-à-vis professional bodybuilders, something that's used to be true and something that a little bit true for it still now, which you and I have talked about in previous podcasts, and that's seeing athletes in shape in the winter when those photographs could be months old or, of course, as you and I have referred to multiple times, seeing people that are freaks of nature with great genetics on Instagram who kind of almost need to be lean because that's how they make a living. That's how they make their bucks. Yeah, so back to you, Steve.
0: I think, too, um, especially in northern parts of America and in Britain and in Europe and in much of the world, you know, obviously our, our friends that do listen to this podcast in the southern hemisphere, their their seasons are the opposite. So for them... Yes. They're looking to more cut when we're looking in the Northern Hemisphere to bulk. So I think it is a combination, too, Momster. I think a lot of people want to wanna, wanna kind of copy what pros do. They see, oh, I, I hear this a lot on the forums. because They'll give someone nutritional advice, and they'll come back and say, oh, well, Steve, I just watched a video of Jay Cutler walking around the supermarket with a cart, yeah. and he's throwing in – you know, Tons of frozen fish He's throwing in tons of meat He's throwing in tons of peanut butter He's throwing in all this food That's just what he eats in a week And 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 I tried to follow his diet And I, I just got fat And I'm like, dude, he's a pro bodybuilder It's like me trying to go copy what Tom Brady does And expecting yeah. me to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback Or me go and follow what LeBron James does And think that I'm going to be a pro basketball player This doesn't work that way So you have to do what's best for you Yes. So it's very important. We're gonna get into diet and training later in the podcast. And in and in between, we're gonna talk about the best steroids for bulking from our friends at your pharmacies because they have some sensational options. And I'm really excited to talk about it, especially talk about the different options they have to really cover anything, any any cycle you wanna run. So and I think also with when it comes to bulking in the off season, I think a lot of it has to do too with you know a lot of people are wearing more more sweaters, more coats, so they're like, well, I can just kind of bulk up a little bit and then I can cut yep. down. So, so really, you know, bulking, cutting, bulking, cutting, it is something that a lot of people do in bodybuilding. I have a different perspective, but then again, I live in a place where you're in sandals and shorts year-round. So for me, I want to look good year round. I don't do the whole bulking cutting to that extent. Maybe I do it a little bit like I might put on some size and then do do like a five day fast or 10 day fast and kind of shrink back down and then kind of kind of alternate that way. But I prefer just to look good year round. But um, but a lot of people do like the whole you know fall bulking thing and it gives them an excuse to kind of be a little more loose on their diet and all that stuff up. You know, we're going to get more into specific of that. So, should touch on that a little bit before we start getting
1: into the steroids we like. Right, so one of the things that i made a, a note of and we, you and I talked about in the pre-show, some guys get a little bit confused about the differences. And, and it's not a big deal. It's just kind of a small deal. What is bulking? Essentially, bulking is adding muscular body weight, but there's a little bit of fat there, guys. This is not what we call lean gains in recomp. Lean gains is that I could be say 10% body fat and I gained five pounds of muscle. So my body fat should go down a fraction, nine and a half, nine and three quarters, something like that. But I've added muscle bulking is not worrying too much. If some of the gain, it shouldn't be a lot. You shouldn't get horrendously out of shape, but it's adding a little bit. And as Steve said, if you're covered up, it, the psychological impact of not being able to see your abs or to be able to present and show your abs to people kind of dis- dissipates a little bit. So as, as, as we said, For me here in the Northern Hemisphere, it would be hoodie, sweatshirt, and if if I was a bodybuilder rather than a strength athlete, not being worried about losing my cuts, not being able to see some serratus, my uh, my lower obliques and whatever. So that's a bit covered up. Guys, as we know, you've got dirty bolts, clean bolts, which we can get into another podcast. Don't use this as an excuse to get horrendously out of shape. Don't gain 30 pounds and have... 15 pounds of that be fat because you're just making a lot of hard work. And, in fact, arguably, Steve, with reference to pro bodybuilders that you've mentioned, the, the worse out of shape you get, the more work you're going to have to do. If you've got 16 weeks to get ready for a competition, those first four or five weeks is just getting rid of all that excess fat that you didn't need. But I say, guys, it's not about being super ripped and gaining five pounds. It's about allowing a little bit of, a, a little bit of fat. Cushions and softens the joints. Allows you to use more weight in the off-season, as we call it, in the winter time, in those cold times, depending on where you live. So, yeah, that's what bulking is. It, it, that's I think that's the same for you, Steve.
0: Well, you know, it just, uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to do. But like I said, you know, year-round, I live in a place where that doesn't happen. I think people more in New York City and, and up north Chicago, some of the bodybuilders think... up there are more... Into, But you have to kind of look at this. Are you that type of person? Are you that type of person who who is over bulking in, in the fall and winter, and then you kind of get to the spring and summer, and then year over year, you're gaining more and more body fat. You're half a percent or 1% body fat more than you were the year before. Then you're really overdoing it. So it's really important to understand bulking does not mean get fat. Bulking does not mean good, you know, just getting fat. Bulking means putting on some mass, but you want the mass to mostly be good quality mass. So we'll kind of get into the steroids that we're going to use here. And I think in a more important part of bulking, number one is appetite increase. And one of the best steroids for appetite increase is mobster's favorite steroid. And I'll
1: let mobster talk about it. Obviously there's a couple that I really like to Diana Bowl is el numero uno for me in terms of bulking. If I don't mind putting on 10 pounds very quickly and nearly every single time I've ever used Dianabol, 30 to 50 milligrams a day. I, I might even go as high as 60 milligrams now, Steve, if I wanted to bulk up. I, I guarantee you that if I wanted to put on 10 pounds right now in the next three weeks, Dianabol would be my number one. And We'll, we'll talk about others in a minute, but Sust and Deca would probably be my number two and number three. I know we've got others to talk about. Those those three, for me, I know that they work, and I know that I will gain on them. And it's it's definitely going to be, if not 10 pounds, very, very close to 10 pounds. It also means I know 100%, like I do if I get products from neuropharmacies, that it's good to go, that is working. Now, guys, I won't keep 10 pounds. Right now, this morning, I was 317. I, that means I would blow up to 327. 327 is a hell of a way. 317 is a hell of a way. it's. it's I, I just know that Dinobolt would be the number one, Steve. And we know, for, because we said this on previous podcasts, it is the number one oral. And when you've got a great source like Europharmacists, you know you get what what's written on the label. So, yeah, that would be the one for me. I, I suspect it's probably going to be number one for, as, as an oral, Steve, for pretty much everybody, with with one other one, which we're going to talk about briefly, as, as a very, very close... One hundred percent, you're gonna you're gonna bulk up on that drug. Yeah, for me, Dyna uh, very easy to take. You have got the feel good aspect of it that a lot of people get on it, and cheap. definitely very cheap. Oh, too. Oh, cheap, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, my appetite, regard. my appetite, funny enough, goes up slightly more on on my susten deco cycles. I noticed it on those, whereas with Bowl, I kind of don't notice it. Maybe it's just because I'm so used to it, and I know it's going to work, and I don't worry about. It. Calories going in, whereas with Susten Decker, I noticed the amount of weight that I gained on those two. Uh, And I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, guys. Susten Decker, for me, uh, uh, 20 pounds, from 280 to 300 pounds back in the day. Uh, But 20 pounds was too much, Steve. Seriously. I I love bulking. I like trying to expect for my strength. But 10 pounds, I think, is manageable, which is probably why I prefer bulk. It's manageable. I can get used to it. It's not there for ages. I'm going to keep a few pounds when I come off. Whereas £20 on the Stassen Decker was almost too much. Great in the gym, great walking around, but it was horrendous walking up and downstairs. So, yeah, guys, there's the thing again. Now, I'm a bit different because I'm a strength athlete, but for you guys, six, seven, eight pounds 7 8 on Dinobol with the cheapness, as Steve said, very simple, very straightforward. No mucking around. You know exactly what's going to happen. Would be a great drug and the leverage has always been good for my strength so any benching pressing even squatting anything that i'm pushing off of another body part those extra few pounds those extra inch nearly most of you guys 10 pounds is about an inch for me it's a little bit less but that extra three quarters of an inch inch on most people for benching for example pushing off my biceps pushing off my triceps pushing off my pecs that's another five ten fifteen kilos on a bar so it's a great way to add strength and muscle for me and very very simple and again Super cheap, especially if you use one of the Europharmacy cells. What about you, Steve? Any and uh, have you used D-Bowl, and what 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 would you your preferred uh, bulk in drug be? Yeah, D Bowl was actually the first
0: official antibiotics there that I ever used. I'd used maybe a pro hormone before or something yes. like that. But Dianabol was definitely the first one I ever used. And right off the bat, you know, I um I started gaining gaining mass. And you know, with, with Dianabol, it rapidly aromatizes into estrogen. So it's very important with D-Bolt or know that. And if you yeah. overdose it or you don't stack the necessary aromatized inhibitor with it, you will yeah. put on a lot of water weight and it can be counterproductive in terms of your health because you'll start straining a lot of your organs, uh, especially your heart can start affecting your sleep. But Dianabol is one of those appetite sky high on it, mood sky high on it. Um, and that's and the reason for that is it's the combination of the estrogen rise and the androgenic increase. And it's just the right amount to cause both an appetite and mood enhancement. But if you're running Dianable and you don't notice an appetite increase, then that just might mean your body just is not healthy inside. So keep that in mind if you run Dianable. Not always, but usually with poor appetite with humans, with animals, I mean, if your dog or your cat stops eating, and that's a good signal that you probably need to take your dog or cat to the vet because something is wrong. So keep an eye on that for sure, but you should have a, a nice appetite and mood increase on Dianable and not a nasty, nasty effect where you feel like you want to punch the wall out. You and uh, yeah, yeah get into that change. mobster and then we'll talk about dosing Dianable correctly.
1: Very quickly, guys. So I have I, had long before my experience with uh euro it has to be said back in the day i got given some free dinable thank you very much as a result of as a as a, as a yeah as a result of what i was doing in the industry you're know, talking to etc etc do you want this yes thank you very much and i got sent a bottle uh, with the little blue pills as they used to be versus a source so the first two weeks of my cycle was using this but i think i was 10 days in Stephen, and nothing Absolutely nothing, and and the bottle runs out. There was, you know, it was only half full or whatever. And then the, the literally from Friday to Monday, and this is why you should always use a good source, guys. I was using the pills that I brought from a better source, and in those four days, Steve, I put on four pounds Friday through to Monday, and that was literally the combination of water and, as Steve said already, the appetite. It's just one hundred percent the difference between using. A moody source, uh, not recommended, not referenced, uh, non-approved versus using an approved source. And that was, I mean, again, this is way before my time with your pharmacies, but that's the difference between fake and real drugs. And that's how quick it kicks in, Steve. So my experience, as again, Dinobo for me is, one of those ones, I know what I'm gonna do, I know how I'm gonna respond, but it's especially good if I'm not looking to stay lean. If I was a bodybuilder, I'm not looking to keep ripped, I'm not looking to look get uh, lean gains. I just wanna I wanna throw on a few pounds, I wanna use that to my advantage in the gym, one hundred percent. Yeah. So there you go. Make sure that you're using, regardless of the drugs that we talk about today, make sure you use a solid, approved, and recommended and highly rated source like Europharmacist for your product. but you so as we said,
0: I mean, um, your pharmacies, I'm looking at it right now, Mobster, they got two Dianabols that I see for sale. They got a 25 milligram pill and they got a 10 milligram pill and it's not expensive at all. It's dirt cheap. It's going to cost you less to run the d on a cycle than it would cost you to wash your car, like take it to a decent car wash. mm mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So Dianabol is cheap and it's effective. So you could go, let's say you got the 25 milligram milligram tabs, 50 per packet, right? So you could run literally 50 days of it and you just need one packet of it and you would have effective gains. That's how effective Dianabol is when it comes to bulking. And you know, just um we'll talk about diet and training at, at the end of the show, but do it right and run, you know, have your diet and training on point, and you can really look differently just in that 50 days um that's that's really all you have to do so keep in mind with Dianabol, it's also liver toxic so liver support is highly recommended with it for that okay. reason as well but i mean it's it's a great great bulker for sure i, I don't know anybody who has ever used real Dianabol and not had sensational results in fast like i felt my lifts within three days instead of doing Six reps, I was doing eight reps on the same weight. Yeah. So you could feel this stuff, you know, kicking in pretty, pretty rapidly. It's got a very short half-life. So you might want to run it twice a day because of the short half-life and get a little more balanced when it comes. So I want to I do once a day. I do, I do D-ball twice a day, and you could even do it three times a day, but twice a day sh- should be fine. So Monster, finish us off on D-ball, and then we'll kind of get into the next one.
1: Yeah, I was going to jump right here, Steve. So, my preference would probably be for the 10 milligrams, and that would be if I was running 50, 60 milligrams a day. And as Steve said, so, you know, if I was doing that, I'd probably, if let's use 60 milligrams a day as an example, that would be uh two two ten milligram pills three times a day, like Steve said. I want to jump into the next one here, Steve. And I've actually had a PSL, uh, Europharmacist have just sent me, Uropharmist himself has just sent me, uh, I ordered some Anadron. And uh, Anadrol, by rumour and reputation, it would be the first time I've used it. I'm saving it up for something, perhaps in the winter time, a little bit in a few more months' time. That is that probably more than Dianabol is a watery drug, from what I hear. And those people that I have spoke to, and by rumour and reputation, if you guys go on the forums and any forum, in fact, never mind uh, our forums, you'll hear stories of guys gaining. 20 pounds uh, on anadrol now i suspect steve that you and i are at a point in our lives but that won't happen however had dinable not been our first choice and anadrol our first choice i could see you and i on our very first cycle and we use anadrol gaining those 20 pounds now guys again the difference between gaining 20 pounds and keeping 20 pounds is night and day i suspect that we will end up keeping the same amount of gains that we would have had on Dynabolt. if we, I mean, 5, six, seven pounds, Steve, out of the 10 pounds, versus trying to keep 10, 15, 20 pounds out of the Anadrol. It's not going to happen, guys. Steve will get into the specifics of what the drug's about. So I'm I'm going to give this a try in a few months' time. If you check my logs on the forum, see how I get on with it. I know also, Steve, for some people, it's one of those ones, probably more than Dynabolt. that it feels like, and again, it might just be simple toxicity, Steve, or the sheer fact of gaining so much weight, it can be a little bit more of an aggressive drug, a little bit more of a, I won't call it a negative mood enhancer, but it's not as uplifting or feel good, perhaps as Bow. And again, that's listening to other people online, seeing what they've had to say when they've been on it. What's your experience and what's your thoughts on this particular drug?
0: Yeah, I love Anadrol, and Anadrol is one of those. Actually, one of my uh, clients, he uh, he does CrossFit, and he uh, got on Anadrol. He wanted to get a little stronger. He was really, really good with his endurance, but his strength was kind of lagging a little bit. So I had him try Anadrol, and I warned him. I was like, "Yeah, you know, your endurance is going to take a little hit on Anadrol. Remember, it's a bulker." But he's like, "No, I don't care. I need to bring up my my uh, my strength." So he got on Anadrol. Man, did he did he bulk? he got bulked up, you know, and you could really tell like in his shoulders and his pecs, just everything got wider. So Anadrol is one of those I really like. I have a lot of respect for Anadrol. And Anadrol is one of those that you can just run it for 4 weeks by itself and you can just bulk up in in, the, in those 4 weeks. So I have a lot of respect for. It. If you go on your pharmacies and look at what they have, Anadrol is going to be uh, a little more um you know, it, it, it's it's not that expensive either. Um, I see fifty milligram tabs and fifty packet, and it's not expensive. And you could literally just do fifty milligrams a day for fifty days. It's actually maybe a little, maybe even a little cheaper than Diana You know, um, you know, Diana is is you know slightly more expensive uh, per packet. So. Anadrol is 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 a very very cheap steroid as well, so you could go the Anadrol route. Now with Anadrol, it's a really interesting steroid monster, and a really misunderstood oral because a lot of people think, well, it's a bulker, so it must aromatize into estrogen, but it doesn't. It's actually a DHT derivative, the way it's structured, but it binds to estrogen receptors. So if you're really prone to gynecomastia or estrogen related side effects, it's going to be very difficult con- to control the these estrogenic side effects on Anadrol because of that binding so you're not going to be able to take an ai and the ai will not help you here and ai will actually probably hurt you here so it's it's really one of those situations with Anadrol that you need to be aware of if you run it it does come with those risks and it's extremely androgenic androgenic i would say it's more androgenic than dianable for sure and you have the potential on Anadrol to get really really strong but the appetite and mood increase isn't as good in my experience as with yeah. Dianabol. and it has a lot to do with the way it's structurally um position where it doesn't increase estrogen so you don't get that nice androgenic est- estrogenic increase where it really helps your brain and helps your mood you don't get that estrogen increase on the on the anadrol even though it's binding to estrogen receptors you don't get it. So you're not going to feel, you may not feel that appetite increase either as you did on Diana You may feel a little more like, you'll, you'll feel like by week two, you'll feel blah. I don't feel like eating on anadol. Yeah. You, you, if Diana though, you want to eat like a horse the whole way through, but with Anadrol, you're going to feel that. Eh, so a little more different uh, approach to it. So if you're a person who struggles with appetite, you may want to go with the D ball over the Anadrol. That would be that would be the one to look at for those of you who are looking to bulk. But Anadrol is a great steroid. I recommend you try it at least once and see for yourself how you like it. And your pharmacies has a great Anadrol. I mean, I I can't believe how cheap it is, mobster. Um, I mean, I, I you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's not
1: expensive at all. I just one more thought on this, Stephen. In fact, you've just touched on it. It occurs to me, guys. It's one of those. Would I recommend it to a beginner? Would I recommend it to a novice? And that doesn't mean necessarily that someone is new to the gym, but new to using performance enhancing drugs. And the answer for that would be no, because uh, we, we talked about this when we talk about trend. We talk about it with other drugs, halo testing, check drops, et cetera. And we say, listen, sometimes, guys, you want to add weight, you want to bulk up, but you don't know how you're going to feel. On a drug. So what Steve talks about there, that that sense of, and I think he perfectly encompasses it when he says that sense of blur, that sense of being slightly, kind of like what the hell, that seems to apply to Anadrol. And if if you're not ready for it, if you're not experienced, if you don't know how you respond, then especially with you younger guys, and when I say younger, I don't mean under twenty five, as always, but we know you younger guys sometimes they're the ones that are going to go out and push the envelope and do things that they shouldn't do. But even the 25 and up, if you've never used a performance-enhancing drug and your first choice of orals specifically is Anatrol over Dynabol, then that kind of lack of sense of well-being, and it's an obvious thing here, Steve, it doesn't make you want to carry on the cycle. It doesn't want you to, oh, well, there's I feel so goddamn eh, meh by comparison to our, I might have felt on Bowl, but how I thought I would have feel, for, uh, felt on a on performance enhancing drug, and all like this one, it, then it, it doesn't make you want to run another couple of weeks. You go, oh, I, know, I didn't think that I was going to feel like this. I thought I was going to feel like Superman, and, and, and you don't. In reality, and I, this is why we encourage you guys to do logs on the forum, your lifts have gone up. You've put on size. Like Steve says in his buddy's case, the CrossFitter, the shoulders were fuller, the chest is fuller. So it's working. And this is the thing that you sometimes have to get across to, to, to when we talk about higher dose cycles, when we talk about the harsher oils, when we talk about the more harsher slash toxic injectables, there is a price to pay. And the price to pay with Anadrol is that sense that you, if you don't get the sense of well-being that you do and done about. And you need to have your head ready and focus on the fact that it's only for a few more weeks and push on through it. That takes a certain effort of will. And, again, you know, if going to work, doing a day job and training and trying to push the food in can all feel a little bit too much. And Anadrol, as I said, a little bit harder in comparison, for argument's sake, to dynamite However, if you are ready for it, if you are prepped, if you have listened to the advice we've given you on this podcast, then you know it's the Anadrol and you push on through because you know it's only a few more weeks of the cycle to go that you're going to gain. You've put weight on the bar. It's all golden. It's just that... When you're not in the gym, when you're not pushing those weights, there might be a sense of being slightly worn out, a slight sense of, meh, and, and you know, eating the extra food is a bit of a drag. But you, I'm, we're telling you, be aware. And if you are aware, that part of your conscious brain says, eh, the reason I feel like this is because the end it's only another couple of weeks to go. Boom, I've bulked. I've added weight. I've got stronger. I put a half inch on. And that's what you need to focus on. Back to you, Steve, for the next one. So the next one I've done very well on before is deca-durabolin. Now,
0: deca-durabolin, of course, is a nandrolone. So there's other esters, too, that you can choose from. And that includes nandrolone, phenylpropionate. And unlike the first two that we talked about, it's a injectable. So you're going to have to inject this. And so this is if you've never done injections before, or you want to try d bol and or anadrol first, and then you want to kind of do deca or nandrolone phenylpropionate as your next cycle, then, yeah. you know, your pharmacies has you covered um, their nandrolone decanate. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it's a great compound. They have both uh, NPP, nandrolone phenylpropionate, which is hundred milligrams a milliliter. And then they got the de- uh, nandrolone decanate, which is the and 250 milligrams per milliliter. So they have you covered Either way, whichever one you want to run with. So here's the differences between the two before I get into the compound itself. So the differences between the two is the MPP, it's a shorter Ester. You're going to probably need to pin it at least two, three times a week. The DECA, you can pin literally once a week or once every other week. But most people who run DECA, they like to pin it once or twice a week. Make things yeah. simple, kind of gets in your system that way. And you can run it that way. So anyway... The more important thing with Deca now, Deca is structure is a testosterone derivative, and it's been structured all structured in a, in a way where it's going to aromatize into estrogen at a far less pace than testosterone, about a fifth as much as testosterone. So you're going to get way less estrogenic effects, and then it's also structured where you get less androgenic effects. So the misconception behind Deca is, oh my god, it's got a lot of side effects. So That's just not true. You got to look at DECA in a way where you're using testosterone, but you're using basically a milder version of testosterone. And that's what DECA is in real life. So when you run DECA, you can experience a nice mood increase. You can experience a nice appetite increase. I I really had a a big appetite increase on DECA as well. So remember, same way when we're going to get into testosterone next, but the same way you get an appetite increase from testosterone, you'll get an imp- appetite increase with DECA, but you'll get maybe even more of an increase because it's not straining organs in your body as much. It's not as, harm- it's not as harmful to your body. It's not as stressful on your body or an inflammatory on your body. It's one of the least inflammatory steroids. If you run it at a you know, moderate or less dose, it's one of the less stressful steroids on your body because just the way it's structured so now the one thing that people complain about with DECA is the DECA dick we've all heard this it's a a lot of people are scared of it a lot of that has to do with people just parroting DECA dick DECA dick DECA dick on forums and scaring people and a lot of people have been scared away with from DECA because of it but look if you run DECA correctly A lot of people who have been running DECA for years, talk to any guys who are mobsters age or guys in their sixties or even guys in their seventies. And they'll tell you, Oh, I love DECA. I used to run tons of DECA back into my thirties and forties, never had a problem with DECA dick. So I didn't experience it. Mobster didn't experience it. So (coughs) I don't know. I think a lot of it is psychological. People just get caught up in it, but this is here. This is what you do. This is what you do to foolproof avoid having DECA dick. And it's not, running a bunch of testosterone with it, as most people are incorrectly assuming. The the way you avoid deca is by using a DHT derivative with DECA. So you have a choice. You can use Masteron, Winstrel, or the easiest one to use, which is Proviron, because Proviron doesn't have – isn't going to cost you – isn't going to be a pain in the ass to take. It's an oral – and it's not going to have additional side effects like Winstrol will. So Proviron is the simplest thing to do. You could literally run just 25 milligrams a day of Proviron with your Deca and you will be covered in case of Deca. dick. So look, Deca at the end of the day, it's a great steroid for bulking, guys. Like I said, it's testosterone without so much side effects, without the, the annoying side effects that you would experience with testosterone that so many guys complain about in terms of the bloating the insomnia the high blood pressure the cholesterol issues all that stuff so mobster you're a deca fan as well tell us a little bit about
1: that absolutely love it i've mentioned multiple times on different podcasts on the forums etc guys that one of my best gains and my best injectable cycles was Sustanon and deca together steve's correct in terms of the dosing i kept the dose the two things together steve was under 700, I think 600, and if it was 675 or 765 milligrams. So all there are there. If you said 750, that would be right. And he was also correct in terms of the frequency. I believe, because it's been a while now, I think I was dosing twice a week, Steve, about every four or five days. Something I will say in regards to DECA again is unlike the orals that we've mentioned, which have relatively short uh, half lives, DECA's half life is kind of long. So when we're talking about bulking, you when you stop the cycle, you will still have DECA in your system for quite a while. I'm looking at the Euro Pharmacy site right now, Steve, and you're looking at something like 21 to 28 days based on the reference to their half life right there. Something in regards to the DECA Steve, which people don't think about, and I mentioned this from time to time, as when we, we talk, we'll come up and get a question about a specific thing to do with the drugs. And as often as not, you see me do, do, do this on the forum, Steve. I will ask about other things. I will say, what's your body fat level? What was it like when you started the cycle? So, for example, if your body fat level was high and then you decided to bulk, having a higher body fat level is never good for your estrogen levels. It's never good. If you was already out of shape, and I mean in terms of your fitness, and then you take a bulking drug, it's going to have an even bigger effect on your fitness. It's just going to be that much harder to do things. And when it comes to um, the libido specifically, good old Dick, as Steve mentioned earlier on, think about this guys. If you take a bulking drug and it doesn't matter which one we're talking about here, and you go to war in the gym and you are now pushing a shitload more weight than you was before, your bench, my bench went up twenty kilos on my sus. I think it was two two cycles I ran. I've just remembered, and both those cycles I knew that I would add twenty kilos, forty four pounds to my top. One rep max between off cycle and on cycle. But what else was I doing in the gym? Now, I'm quite good, Steve. I would stay on a program and I would just aim to get stronger. But what about your rest of you guys? What if you suddenly feel like you can do a lot more sets and reps? Now you're doing a lot more work. So the possibility of overtraining comes in. It's because you feel like Superman. It's because your muscles are blown up. The problem with overtraining is that can have an effect on your libido. It's one of the signs. It's one of the symptoms that we look for. You know, are you overtrained? Do you feel tired all the time? Are your muscles tired all the time? What's your appetite like? And what's your libido like? It's right up there. Steve Smith, I think, will agree with me. It's one of those things that people don't always look at. And then, of course, as Steve said quite correctly, and we see this, and I mentioned it with regards to the body fat, you want to sometimes manage your estrogen levels. So. It's if, if 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 for example, using too much of an aromatized inhibitor will affect your libido. And so you've got to get that balance right. It's why Steve talks about all the time getting blood tests, seeing where your testosterone levels are, seeing where your estrogen levels are, and having that balance of testosterone to estrogen in your blood to keep you on the right side of feeling good, the feeling like you're gonna you're in large and in charge and you're in the gym and you're cleaning your plate and you want more food. One of the things I will say, and I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, Steve, on that suss cycle that I remember talking about, one specific one was I said, I think something like I would be eating food and thinking about the next meal while I was eating the meal in front of me. That's an appetite. When you're already thinking about the next bunch of food that you want to eat, the next meal, while you're sating your appetite, then that's, that's when your appetite is ready to rock and roll. That's when you're really putting that food in. When, as we talked about earlier on, you're on any of the drugs that we're talking about today and you hate the food in front of you and you don't even want to think about the next meal, that's when your appetite's been smashed. So, yes, Stas and Decker for me, Steve, Decker specifically, was I was thinking about the next plate of food that come, the, the next meal. I'm, I don't want to wait three more hours. I'm thinking about having it in the next soon as this one's finished. So, yeah, that's the kind of appetite difference. And, of course, these are great if you're bulky, you almost want to keep an eye on the amount of food that you're putting in because it can actually kind of get away with you. And again, this is the difference between me, Steve, you, the list. Now, we it will vary. My appetite is not that crazy now. I don't think it'll get away with me and I'm aware of it. So it would be one of those things where I, I might meal prep. So I know the, how much food I'm putting in. I know my protein is why we encourage you guys with training logs. To put down your macros so you can see what you're doing and it's that much easier to tweak we've got an awful lot of guys recently steve that are 130 pounds and six foot plus 140 pounds six foot plus and um, the number one thing is there is diet so these drugs that we're talking about they're great ones for for the most part of encouraging your diet maybe not so much anadrol but again keep keep the notes, guys. Those will help you when you're having good days and bad days. You will see what's going on. You can know to put in another a sandwich, uh, a protein shake, another small, add f- another 50, 60 grams to your protein, another, another 50, 60, 100 grams to your carbs, and as a way of controlling it. For me, Decker, when combined with sus, my appetite went through the roof. And as I say, I would put on 20 pounds, 280 pounds to 300 pounds on that specific cycle. Uh, yeah. Also, a feel-good hormone, and as Steve said quite properly, zero issues. I don't, I don't think I had a girlfriend at the time of the cycle, I'm thinking of, but in terms of, shall we say, taking matters in hand, that didn't change. The frequency was right where it was before. It's right where it was after. It didn't change. So, uh, yeah, no effect on me whatsoever, Steve. But, yeah. So with testosterone, a lot of different
0: options you have. I'm looking yes. at your lineup. I mean, gosh, I mean, you can't make any complaints that they don't have enough options. They have sustenon 500. They've got Test 400, Test 500. They have a test, uh on 250, which is yep. the, um, you know, historically has been the main type of testosterone. They have a Test SIP. They have a Test E. They have a Test ISO. They have a Test Propionate, if you like shorter esters. And they have a testosterone undecanate, which is a super long ester. If you if you want to inject testosterone, like literally every three weeks, you can ingest and yeah, inject the yeah, test yeah. undecanate. for. A re- if you want to do like a really long cycle, you could do you could do that testosterone. And, and then they also have a testosterone phenylpropionate. So it's it's really amazing. They have every option. So the ester that you choose is going to determine how often you inject and how fast it. Peaks in your system and how fast it leaves your system. So if you want to do a long cycle, then you would go with a longer ester in most situations. If you want to do a short cycle, then go with a short, shorter ester. So when it comes to testosterone, look at the end of the day. If you're using it in a cycle, you could you could dose it anywhere from 100 to 500 milligrams. If you use it by itself, I recommend 4 to 500 milligrams. Uh, That would be a moderate dosage. Now some guys go higher. Some guys want to run it really, really high. If you run it really high, be aware that the side effects, the more you run it, the more the side effects will step, step up. It's like a stair climber. The more you run, the more side effects are going to come and it may become counterproductive. I myself, the most I've ever run of testosterone was 750 milligrams and I didn't like it. I had better results running 500 milligrams than 750 because of the side effects. So the side effects it's basically diminishing returns, especially when it comes to bulking. So with testosterone in the, the day, mobster talked a lot about testosterone and sustenance already. Yeah. Look, I, same thing, same thing. You know, uh, this is why it's a good for bulking. It does aromatize into estrogen. So you're going to need to use an AI, but even with the AI, you're still going to bulk on it. It's going to increase your appetite in most situations. And like I said earlier, if you're not increasing your appetite on testosterone, Something may be wrong. That could be an indication that your kidneys, your liver, your heart are too overtaxed. Your body's too overtaxed. Too much inflammation in the body. So it may make sense to kind of let go of the gas pedal a little bit, you know, and, and let your body kind of um, you know catch up to to the kind of the damage that you've been doing. So I'm start to talk a little bit about that, and we still got to get to my favorite for bulking, which is gonna maybe surprise a lot of people.
1: So one of the things I was just thinking about, Steve, in regards to dosing. Now we we've talked about this multiple times on the forums, guys. So well worth checking out. Five hundred milligrams seems to be the sweet spot. And if you think you can go on that and find that out for yourself, don't just take my word for it. Go on and to the forums and literally put in five hundred milligrams of testosterone and see what comes up. I guarantee you, there's probably dozens, if not hundreds, of dozens of Fred uh, uh, posts telling you exactly that. And so it's fun. And I think some guys do exactly like that for fun to talk about the idea of taking 1,000, 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 milligrams of, of testosterone in combination with other drugs. But the reality is thus, guys, if taking drugs made you Mr. Olympia, then uh, and obviously what I mean by that is taking a high dose of performance enhancing drugs. But all the guys that were taking two and a half, three grams a week would be Mr. Olympia or they'd be winning competitions. In reality, they take vast amounts of drugs because, imagine the pros are taking vast amounts of drugs, and they're trying to compensate for the difference between their genetic advantage and the advantage of the pro. The pro, unfortunately, has got the genetic advantages with regards to appetite, the ability to manage drugs, uh, training injuries, muscle insertions, and so on and so forth, and you cannot overcome that by taking more drugs than you did last time. So the sweet spot is 500 milligrams. It really is. And we know that what we mean by the sweet spot is that this works for the majority of you listening right now. Um, I will also say in terms of for example, and there are options that, that are available with, you, with your pharmacies, the higher the concentration of testosterone, the more likely you are to uh, get the symptoms of post-injection pain. It's just how it is. And again, some of you guys will have zero issues. And other you will find that uh, having taken the injection, it's not an uh, issue with regards to the cleanliness of the drug. It's just an issue with regards to how you feel in the site afterwards in terms of your body guide you know what, 250 milligrams a meal was much better than 400 milligrams a meal. It's as simple as that. And again, sometimes you need to experiment there. One more thing I will say, Steve, and I've mentioned this again in previous podcasts. I said that buddies of mine, especially, I know most of my buddies at that particular time were strength athletes, were huge fans of testosterone and And yet, when I tried it, I got zero. And I mean, it made, I didn't feel like I was on a drug, very little difference of scale weight. Very little difference to training. So that's, again, one of those things where sometimes it's trial and error. And we've talked about this previously, including today, where you will have your own personal preference of what worked for you versus the next one. The difference, like I said, between doing feeling good, and anadrol, not so much. That will come down to you. Sometimes you guys will just work on through. No problem. You don't even notice it. For me, an anphate, for example, felt nothing, didn't feel like I was gaining anything, didn't feel like it had an effect on my training and yet my buddies i'm talking about four or five that were on an amp fight for for various competitions all around the same time and for them it was the base it was the thing and what other parts of the cycle could be added to and they loved it so i just didn't respond to it steve yeah let's get into your favorite that's going to surprise a few people like you just said yeah so
0: tremble a lot of people think tremble oh a tremble owns a cutter a tremble owns for for guys who do physique and you know physique competitors you know probably close to 100% of them do use Tremblone. So, but that doesn't mean Tremblone isn't a good bulker. Tremblone is a tremendous bulker. Um, it's used in cattle to bulk up the cattle before slaughter uh, because the the rancher, they want to get more money before yeah. they uh, get, you know, sell the uh, the, the cow for, for meat. So they want it to get it, you know, if they can add a few pounds to that cow and then sell it. That's extra money in their pocket. So, yeah. Trembolone's is an amazing bulker. And I've, I've always gotten bulk bulked up and gotten stronger on trend. Always. One of the things that trend does is that it is so potent that it actually increases insulin resistance in the body, which is not a good thing, but in, in temporarily it can be advantageous to, to bulking because you're going to get carb cravings on this stuff. You get carb cravings and it forces you to eat more carbs when you're on it. So don't try a no carb diet or a low carb diet with trend because it's not going to end well for you, but you need to basically spread out your carbs and using trend. So it forces you to consume more food, forces you to consume more carbs, and then you're going to gain more weight in, in the process. So I think it's a great bulker and, you know, trend is one of those that you it's extremely toxic and you want to make sure that you're not abusing it. So if you use it correctly, you can get away with you can get away with doing it and staying healthy, but you want to be aware of the side effects. So uh, your pharmacies has a couple excellent trends. They have uh Trenbolone acetate, which is hundred milligram a milliliter. They have Trenbolone enanthate which is 200 milligram a milliliter, not expensive. It's not an expensive steroid either, by the way, I'm looking at how much these vials are not expensive. You could run 200 milligrams of trend a week and You can basically spend not much more than, you know, um, you're probably going to, you're going to spend, end up spending way less than you would your car payment. I'll put it that way. And then they also have a tri-trend, which is a blend of trend, trend Tremblone, which is 150 milligram per milliliter. And that's also not expensive at all. So no matter which one you choose, um, the acetate is going to be more for people who don't mind injecting every other day. The trend- Tentate is going to be for people who rather rather just inject once or twice a week. But the acetate advantage is it's going to be in your system quicker and out of your system quicker when you stop. And it's also you can also uh, it's going to be more flexible because you could stop it. Let's say you're four weeks in, and you're like I can't handle these side effects anymore. You can just stop it. So with Tremblone, you know I'd say the doses with Tremblone 200 milligrams a week up to 400 milligrams a week max. And I'll tell you with Tremblone 350 versus 400 is a big difference. Literally 50 milligrams a week up or down is a big difference. So the, just like I talked about with testosterone, you run too much Tremblone, it could be counterproductive. So I've always done well. My sweet spot's always been 250 a week. Now, some guys, we got a couple guys on the forum mobsters buddies on the forum who <laughs> run a lot more they can run 500 yeah. they can run 750 oh, they can run a thousand and that's them yeah. they get away with it they're just built differently than yes. the rest of us so and they like to hit it hard you know and really really oh, yeah. abuse the shit out of it and then come off so yes. for them they'll run a lot more but for you first time using it no need to do 250 300 so mobster, talk a little bit about that and then we'll get into diet and training.
1: Now, I, I've actually referred to these guys sometimes because they will sometimes tongue-in-cheek, and we see this on other forums. It's almost like a sort of a saying. I believe I've even seen one time, Steve, a tattoo, and it was up the trend. So it's a fun thing to say, but the reality in, in the two individuals that I can think of specifically is both of them have great genetics, right in muscle, 100%. I might not their advice a lot but in terms of their genetics they both have very good genetics for adding muscle 100 percent. so they also have as steve just referred to great genetics for how they respond to trend and they love it but a key point every so often i'll agree with them 1000 percent. and one of the things that they both talk about and i think of one individual said this multiple times and i've agreed every single time he says is it hard it is a short time and come off. And he's not talking about tapering, he's not talking about cruising, he talks about coming off. And it's the, one of the few things that me and him will agree on 100 percent So that that's the problem here. I think the other element of Steve is there's a certain uh with regards to trend again, uh dose dependent on dependent on what you want to do, and of course, quite often when we're talking about cycles. We they talk about one drug specifically, whereas in reality, we might not run Trend on its own. We might run it without something else. So sometimes it's a combination of drugs that can create an effect. Now, Trend is the one that's been specifically proved to have effects, even if mildly, on your outlook, your psyche. You're actually in older individuals, and I've referred to this before, Steve. A study was done, a bunch of older fellows, I think they're all 60 plus. They all uh, trained, which was fantastic for 60 plus. Uh, but every single one of them was getting a, a low dose of Trend for a medical ailment, a medical reason. It wasn't just because they were hitting the gym or whatever else. And the research was to look at the effects on their brain, not on their bodies, not on adding muscle and killing it in the gym, but on their brains. And they said that Trend was the one that had dementia like effects on the brain. And again, that was dose dependent. The higher the dose, the more of an effect it had. Now, what was also true, fortunately, I believe, Steve, although it might be a bit more of a problem if you are an older athlete, 60 plus again, for the most part, most of these effects are temporary. They are like that when you're on, and then afterwards, if you stay off long enough, those effects go away. But again, if you're an older athlete, the chances for dementia, Alzheimer's, effects on the brain, et cetera, et cetera, are that much higher. So for me... Uh, and we notice with trend, there's sometimes people will talk about the side effects in terms of not being able to sleep at night, a.k.a. transomnia, the sweats that you can have on trend. And again, for me, I think Steve is exactly on point here when he talks about 250 milligrams. I might, again, with regards to trend, look to combine it with something else. But I would probably be looking for a low amount for both those drugs. I would probably choose the longer ester again simply because while I will do the pinning, I'm not a fan of doing it every single frigging day. Why the hell? What the, I want to keep things nice and simple, Steve. One or two jabs a week, hit the diet. And again, like the, 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 the people that we're talking about on the forums, hit it hard and come off. Yeah, so the higher dose stuff, guys, honestly, these two individuals, they can handle it. Uh, and that's that's just a nice way of saying most of you cannot. So we're talking about 800 or 500 thousand milligrams of trend. If you guys have not had that experience and you can't handle it, you're going to hate it. And we're back to what I said about the Anadrol and that meh feeling. Why? Why you want to be wanting to eat? You want to be wanting to go to the gym. You want to be wanting to add that bulk and putting on the muscle and getting stronger. What you don't want to do is have that sense of well-being going out the window, feeling like something's the matter, feeling a little bit off. As again, from low dose trend. 250 milligrams like steve said maybe combined with something else i can see that working perfectly high dose and for higher dose i think would be 500 milligrams or more combined with another drug steve something else from the testosterone group i don't want to feel like that i want to feel like i'm hungry i want to feel like i'm going to the gym to hit it i don't want to feel like i need a day off i don't want to feel like i'm running some sort of low-level viral infection which in reality isn't a level of viral infection. It's just simply the toxicity of the drugs in my body having an effect on me. i mean, another one, Steve, if I want to bulk. Do I want to be... I mean, I'm in, because of my size now, I wake up in the middle of the night. Do I... And, and my shoulder issue. Do I want a drug that's going to I me have to get out of bed and change the sheets? Do I want that kind of disturbing my sleep effects? No, no, and no. So I want a drug that helps me sleep at night. I want a drug that makes me hungry. I want a drug that makes me want to go to the gym and smash the granny out of the weights. I want a drug that's going to add weight to the bar and put muscle on my bones. What I don't want is to be sleeping and sweaty and feeling horrible. So I can see 250 milligrams being manageable and having a great effect versus four, five 500, 600 milligrams or more, making me feel irritable, making me not want to go to the gym, disturbing my sleep, giving me transomnia, making me sweat like a motherfucker. I don't want none of those things. And again, when it comes to trend, guys, as always, you are looking for a reliable source like your pharmacist, knowing what you've got, knowing that it's the right ester quality product when you're putting it in. And so, 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 so definitely not a first time a drug, in my opinion. Again, if you've never done an oral, you've never done an injectable, and your first choice is trend, it's kind of like, why do you go from there, Steve? So, again, for me, even at my source, I've never used trend. I think it's done, if I was giving out advice to an individual, I would say wait. And I think you've said the same thing, Steve, wait to your fourth, maybe your fifth cycle. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I would, because what happens is trend, you know, once you use it, you're like, man, I mean, I I don't want to use anything else. So you're going to just start, you're going to want to just use it every cycle. So it's better just to work your way up to it. This way, when you use it, you'll, you can fall back on some of the other steroids and not be like, well, I'm going to fall back and go from using trend to Primo. And it's just like Primo doesn't even do anything, you know, to me after using trend. So, so let's kind of get into um tr- diet and training. Let's give two quick tips, mobster. Uh, why okay. don't you give, you know, either one diet or training. I know I have a good diet tip. Why don't you um, discuss some, you know, one or two diet and training tips, and then uh, I'll give my
1: opinion. I'll give you one diet tip, guys, and then I'll talk about training. Right. So one of the things I said to Steve in a pre-show is the difference, and I think I mentioned it briefly earlier on, the difference between dirty bulk and clean bulk. Now, both will add some body fat. Don't pretend otherwise. But a dirty bulk is essentially, and it's not a good idea really, is it, Steve? It's eating crap. He's eating donuts, it's having ice cream, he's it's, it's eating jelly, it's having a lot more sandwiches to process food than perhaps is good for you. And and to me, it's one of those things, like I said earlier on, Steve, that you're going to have to work that much harder at getting rid of the body fat. So gain a few pounds. Again, if I added 10 pounds on a bulk, I would probably talk about 40 50% of that being water, which gives you six pounds. Uh, maybe a couple of pounds should be fat, and the rest should be muscle. And again, after the cycle, good PCT, I want to retain four pounds, I want to retain five pounds and again, maybe one pound of that is fat, but I, I want the four pounds to be muscle, I want that to be extra meat on my bones now, training, and this is where the combination of things is always come in place, if just taking drugs and diets work, guys we'd all be doing it, I mean I love training, so it's a bit different I would train because I can, not just because you know, it works at making me bigger and muscular and stronger now, training wise, bulk you're not really looking to shape a muscle, guys. You're not really to look, say, for example, when you're super lean, you're not looking to be out ahead of your tricep. Can you improve it? Can I bring up my rear delts? Can I make my hamstrings better? You're not really doing that, guys. And it's kind of a simple, simplistic approach. Some of you might have stuff that you want to work on in the off-season, but a simplistic approach from a bodybuilding, right, from a strength athlete perspective, again, would be thus. I would go to town on a compound, Steve. I would squat and press and bench and deadlift i wouldn't be doing isolation exercises those would go out the window they would wait to the end of the cycle i might pick one muscle that i want to improve specifically and one of the things that they'll be doing strongman that you can do in bodybuilding you can have the first two days of a four day training four days a week training would be the first two days would be those compounds it would be benching and pressing and deadlifting and squatting and then the, f- the third day, which is what we do in Strong Man quite often, is we work on what we call accessory work. And accessory work includes not just the supporting muscles, for example, rotator cuffs work around your shoulder joint, but also bringing up weak lifts. And this is something you could do even on a bulk. You could say you could work on improving your triceps specifically. But I wouldn't, again, look to increase the, 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 the outer head of my tricep. I wouldn't be looking maybe specifically at the, the quads at a particular angle so that i've got the outer sweep i would literally just be doing the biggest exercises that i can use the most weight on and these are the ones that are going to stimulate the biggest shape gains so again if i, if I put on a site a bulk on cycle i'm probably going to an average height average weight person it, most cycles a deep ball is a good example against Steve. 10 pound gain a 10 pound gain is on an average person roughly one inch all over. So I want to put an inch on my quads. I want to put an inch on my chest. I want to put an inch on my arms. That's not going to come from doing pec decks. It's not going to come from hamstring curls. It's going to come from heavy ass lifts. The big ones. You can even, and this sometimes you'll see this, guys, off-season training, bulking. It's when the bodybuilder decides to do a powerlifting competition just to see where they are, just to see what the one rep max is on their bench when they would never do it at any other time of year. You occasionally, Larry Wills is a good example of switching between bodybuilding and strongman and powerlifting and so on and so forth. You will notice that when he's not as lean as when he's doing his strength competitions and when he's leaner, he's doing his bodybuilding. So that's working again with the bulking versus cutting. So stuff like that, Steve. Yeah, I mean, would what, what, what about you for bulking? Are you going to be doing isolation exercises or are you going to be hitting the big exercises like I've just talked about?
0: Yeah, there's always, I talk about it on the forums all, all the time, um, really eight compound lifts, the eight top yeah. compound lifts. And, and and you know, you pretty much talked about them. Um, just go to your, you know, just, just know the difference. Like, you know, I originally, the first time I started training at a, a actual gym, the first gym I had, it didn't even have a bench press. I mean, it was just like, it was one of those little civic center gyms, you know, had a basketball court. So it wasn't really a, a gym that you could lift compounds. So when you go from that to a real weightlifting gym, you'll know the difference between, you know, what exercises you can do and what can't. I mean, a real gym has to have a squat rack. A real gym has to have a, a flat bench uh-huh. press, uh, not just a Smith machine bench press. And we see that a lot because people don't want you to get injured, you know, even though you can, I bet you just as many people have gotten killed for the amount of smith machines out there but that's a that's a debate for another day. Um so okay. at the end of the day look that's that's what you got to do. I mean so these big lifts, the cleans, the squats, the deadlifts, the bench press it's, um you know the, the dips and the chin-ups and the you know those types actually the rows these are exercises that you could literally stick to if you really really want to bulk the right way. So I got a lot of respect for that type of training but you got to train the right way you can't train negatively so all right so it was a great show you
1: so quick Both, yeah
0: so just to give you a quick diet tip and um, we're going to get into this this stuff and on future episodes by the way i don't want to kind of spit my load just on, uh, on one episode but um, one of the big one of the biggest diet tips guys is just, is just stick to good clean natural eating and the gains will come don't be in a rush Don't be impatient. Quick gains are not good gains. So if you're not willing to be patient when it comes to your bulking, then you're going to end up regretting it. So just be smart about how you bulk. And you really have to make sure that you're sticking to a game plan and being patient. I think that's that's really, really important. All right. So it was a great show. We'll have much more tips on future episodes. You guys have to come back for sure. Thanks for listening, guys and gals. Evolution.org Hardcore 2.0 Episode 4. Monster takes his disclaimer.
1: Please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions on these shows are hours and hours alone. It's our view, and based on our experience and views on the topic, our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and First Amendment.